Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. So it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. If I can reiterate one message to a lot of people, I would not change a thing that I did. I've got nothing to apologize. I've done nothing wrong. And the only regret, I didn't make it a bigger post. I didn't do it more often and straight away. Yeah. The other regret I had is I did take the post down a few days later. Mm. And the main reason, and I need to explain this, I've got a family. Uh, when my daughter got a message through school saying, hey, what's your dad? That drew the line. I've had, I sleep on the couch. I have so now the last four and a half weeks. Some comments were made and concerns about the family environment. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their wonderful social media support. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Perry LaGreco. Perry is co-owner of my local Greek restaurant in Elstonwick, the Mediterranean Greek Tavern. As you might have guessed, this is a different sort of podcast this week. I met Perry for the first time on my first visit to the tavern about two weeks ago and got to hear his compelling story firsthand and then in more detail when we made this recording. Perry is a man of moral courage and purpose. He's happy to do the right thing even when he knows the results might hurt him, his business and his family. He's one of the few non-Jewish people I know who express his deeper sadness and regrets almost immediately following the terrorist attacks of October the 7th perpetrated against Israel by Hamas. In doing so, most of his regular customers abandoned him and his business for taking a stand against terrorism and in support of humanity and his local Jewish community. Things have taken a turn for the better since, but it's certainly a journey I'm proud to document and share with you. Our society needs more people like Perry. We live in times where people often take the easy route, whether that be remaining silent in the face of grave injustices or feeling like it's better to just pick a side than to understand and navigate nuance. Ultimately, we land on the important point that intellectually capable and non-lazy human beings should be able to hold two different thoughts and perspectives. In this case, we both desperately want better lives and statehood for the Palestinian people, but can also abhor and condemn the terrorism of Hamas that has devastated Israel and its people there, and Jewish people globally through a shameful surge in anti-Semitism that quickly followed the tragic events of October 7. I want to leave you with a quote that sums up an earlier sentiment and clarify my framing of this episode per F. Scott Fitzgerald. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Perry as much as I did. Perry, thank you so much for being with me today. How are you? Very good. Bit nervous, but very good. You nervous? You're wearing a Collingwood t-shirt right out of the the, the, the blocks. Uh, you can't be that nervous. No, it's been a great two years for the Magpie fans. We can't complain. And you brought your wonderful little son here. G'day, Will. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> he he's definitely um, on the way to school. Am I right? Definitely, definitely. Just in case Mum's listening, <laughs> we're on the way to school. It's a, a diversion. Yeah, it's a, it's just a stopover. Um, Perry, wonderful to have you here. Obviously, we'll get into the meat of um, part of how we uh, met and yes. our um, our journey together, early days of our journey together, but really keen to hear about your journey um, to starting restaurants, yep. uh, starting Mediterranean Greek Tavern and everything in between. And feel free just to take us through a couple of minutes about um, that. Obviously, like that's a lot to summarize in that time, but uh, plenty of op- option for you. So migrated with my parents, 1973, main reason for migration. My parents were from a poor area of Greece, a, a very farming background, very pro-socialist, pro-making um, sure everyone's given a fair go, and we decided to follow family here in Australia. Grew up in Paran, went to school in Richmond, um, studied a Bachelor of Commerce, um, got into corporate sales. But about, well, I don't know, 20 years ago, I always had a second job in the restaurant industry, fell in love with it and decided to pursue a dream of opening a restaurant. 
The only advice I was given by a lot of people, don't open a restaurant if you don't know how to cook. <laughs> I was going to say that must have been the main advice. Oh, look, I <laughs> went and did a, an apprenticeship to become a chef, so quick, a corporate role where, yeah. you know, money's coming in to basically be broke for a few years. Yeah. I had an opportunity to work with an uncle of mine that owned the Mediterranean Greek Tavern. Um, his circumstances changed when family members had passed away and the opportunity arose that I I purchased the restaurant, and it's been an interesting journey. And that's the Mediterranean Greek tavern that's in Elstonwick today. That's correct, yes. Fantastic. Okay, so um, what's that like for you being growing up here? And obviously you made a good comment about coming back to Cremorne and how much it's changed. Oh, since. look, as I said, I grew up uh, going to school in Richmond. It's amazing, the change. But it's like anything in the world, people do change and we do move on. I remember this was just the back end of Richmond where we used to hang around with the bikes. It's Completely changed. Um, yeah. And, and then you enter a co-work space like this uh, and, and you see all these pool tables and kombucha everywhere and, you know, the, the, the mint cucumber water. Your, your mind must be going bananas right now. Look, when you gave me the cucumber flavoured uh, water to me, <laughs> I, I just run a restaurant where – look, I'm a pretty plain basic guy. I yeah. like um, traditional stuff, consistency in my life. Uh, the fancy stuff, I, I love what you're doing here, but it's probably just not me. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. And and so why, I mean, that's that's a massive risk to take opening up. I'm sure it was better back then probably for hospitality or was it the same sort of challenges? Look, it was, it's today? interesting. Hospitality, I think, um, 20 years ago was very different. Um, a lot of things have changed. People have become very critical of any food. So everyone is more or less a critic with whether they're trained as a critic yeah. or not. So the, the uh, reviews can be brutal, uh, can make you or break you. I think the online world's changed I think a the, lot. Yeah, it? it's the online world everyone has become, even the adaptation of phones becoming a tool of, um, some people make it their profession now. So they can take a photo and break you or make you. Um, you, you see the Instagram influencers go into restaurants, they charge an arm and a leg and can either make a restaurant or, or don't. I've never gone down that path. I've always said my food will speak for itself, the atmosphere. I try to create a family environment welcoming to everyone, and that's what I've based my business on. I do take uh, extra care, making sure everyone meets me. I treat every customer like they're gold, basically. Mm. Yeah. So you're a people person. Um, did you take – so you took a massive hit in the first couple of years setting up? Or, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Look, because I took an existing business, uh, it's easy when you work for someone. It's different when, when you take over. I saw – pretty packed. I remember the first month that I took over, we were packed. I think we were doing nearly 900 people a day. And the first month, I think, it worked out to about 3,600 people and I was down $12,000. Mm. Um, just the things weren't right. Yep. Uh, the food ordering wasn't right. The wages were high. So it, it's just the f- prices of the food didn't match what the, the market value of the food was. Yep. So it took me a while. I took a massive hit the first few years, about the first year, had to change the business altogether. I'm guessing that you would have taken a bit of your commercial acumen to sort of review what's working, what isn't, and then yeah, getting uh, things back on track. Look, I had worked at another uh, tavern beforehand and I tried to adapt some of their thinking into the tavern. The, the issue is what works in one place doesn't automatically translate to another restaurant. Yeah. Um, there are things like the personalities of the staff, the personality of the actual makeup of your customers. I probably made the mistake when I first took over trying to change everything so quickly. I was so eager, so I wanted to prove to myself I can do this. And sometimes that's the mistakes that we can make. Maybe take a step back, work out what's right and what's wrong, and take baby steps rather than jumping into something. Mm. Yeah. And so what would you say are the other um, special sources for your success of the, the Greek Tavern? Because I think the one thing that you mentioned is like meeting everyone and yeah. making it a family-friendly place. I think that's so important to have a really great front man for a business. Uh, yeah. We talked before about our common mate, Jim Marinas, down yes. at Cartelovit. Shout out to Jim. Uh, he, he's always out the front. Um, yes. I think he wears shorts 365 days a year Can't as well. Can't get over Very it. Very impressive. <laughs> Weatherproof man. <laughs> I think it, when it comes to any restaurant, you've got to have pride and the love that what you do. Um, if you walk into, and I say this to all my workers and the staff, if you come in with a bad attitude, stay home. If you don't like what you're doing, your customer's going to see through it. Now, the customer's there for an hour or two. They're, what they're wanting is a great experience. Forget about your problems, just, and all they want to do is, it's almost when they walk through their door, they're coming through my family door. And that's the way I've approached the business. The reason why I introduced myself, I want people to understand we are a family business. I'm not a conglomerate. You're not going to get 
uh, me today and someone else tomorrow, we're going to take pride in what we do. Mm. And I think over time, that's why the restaurant has been successful, that personalised experience. It's like... I try to remember people's names, and everyone loves hearing their name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's like um, customer service and sales 101 as that's well. That's right. Like try, try and remember people's names. That's right. Um, and like the impact that that has, um, it makes people feel remembered. That's right. Which is which matters. Yeah. Mike, it's like anything. It's what you want to do in – I try the same principles I do in life in, in the business. It's not always about making a quick dollar. Uh, sometimes I do make a loss. But it's about building a relationship. I try to build relationships with the business. Yep. Building relationships is fundamental to my life philosophy as well. It's right. so pleasing to hear that. And I think the other thing that runs through the thread of your business, perhaps, that I noticed, um, this is my first time the other night yeah. with some of the lads, just the simplicity. That's right. Um, so it's it's good, simple food. Um, I reckon Will would enjoy it. Do you like it to have a bite at the tavern? Yeah? Yeah, you, you like simple food or complicated food? Yeah. Simple classics. What's your favourite dish? Um, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it kind of looks like a cheese pizza. Saganaki. Uh, Saganaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have picked that one now. That was delicious. Um, yeah, and like just a lot of your dishes. I mean, I've got the barbecue prawns, which yeah, are stellar, but, um, you know, just fantastic. Simple, Mike, fresh. Look, when I took over the business, the menu was probably about 180 um, items. I condensed that down to, I think, 50 and the main reason why we guarantee freshness on a smaller menu, yep. if I walk into any restaurant, I see 10, 12 pages, I walk out. Yeah, it's too much. And particularly, look, no disrespect, I love Chinese food. I love yeah. Asian restaurants. But when you're getting up to number 97. No, in the, you, in you just like, can't do it. I mean, how confused. I mean, do I need five different varieties no. of barbecued prawns that are chili? Like, but you've also got to look, are they doing two, 300 people a day for turnover? Yeah. Uh, I have known restaurants in the past, like Italian restaurants, they've got 48 different um, sauces. There's about 10, 20 people in it's there. wild. Well, how can they make them? Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. Like I, I noticed a trend to menu size going less That's and right. less. And less is more, I think. I mean, because pe people are so busy that we want less choice now, That's right. not more choice sometimes. It's like the Greek coffee. I give people three choices in when I, when I offer coffee. It's Greek, Greek, or Greek. <laughs> and even then we still take a while to decide. Sounds like the same amount of choices you give to your <laughs> folks in uh, football club supporters. That's right. The pies, the pies, and the pies. Oh, yeah, or well, the reserves. <laughs> the reserves. Your Collingwood, though. <laughs> Collingwood uh, VFL side. Fantastic. And, and so, look, it's been an interesting period. Yes. Um, the restaurant's gone through um, a bit of uh, turmoil. T take us through early October. What happened? Obviously, October the 7th was a real tragedy for, for Israel and the, the Jewish community and um, devastating. Um, and it was a really hard time. I remember being at um, some religious friends' uh, home who observed the Sabbath. Yes. Um, so I didn't have access to my phone during that time and then came out of um, having a little play date with my kids and their kids and things had just gone bananas. The world had changed. For me, those first few days are still etched in my memory and I'm trying to make um, trade the way I saw it through my eyes, uh, which is strange for a Greek because, you know, I've got a fairly active life and for some reason th those events have stayed in my mind. I clearly remember being at the restaurant and it was about 10, 10.30 at night. And the reason why I remember the date, there was a group of kids and I thought, what are these kids doing so late? It's so unusual for a group of kids running up and down. I got home and I, I like to unwind. So usually between 11 and 2, I go through the day's events, how the restaurant ran, our orders, did we do things right? I'm just one of these people that likes to run through my uh, the day's events. Yeah. And I put on CNN because I'm fascinated with um, US politics. Yep. Um, Especially I, at the moment with the elections coming oh, up. Oh, it's insane. Um, and I remember seeing something occurring. Then I put it on to BBC because I thought maybe CNN are replaying mm. an old. And I see attacks in Israel. And I thought, no, it must be an old one because there's no way mm. this has occurred. And I slowly, slowly dozed off. I got up the next day, went to work. Then got home on that Sunday and the same thing kept on repeating itself because mm. none of my customers actually mentioned anything. Mm. And I do, especially on a Sunday, I do have a fairly heavy Jewish patronage. Yep. But no one said anything. No mm. one spoke about it. Did you notice a somber mood at all? Not really. Mm. It, um, it would have been very early on. So that was the, I, the I day did, after. So on the, the Sunday night when I did get home, I realized what was happening. The first person I called was my next door neighbor because I know his daughter is, has been living in Haifa. 
And um, I said, Brian, have you called? I won't say the lady's name just in case people yeah, sure, don't know. Sure. Is she safe? Do you need help to get her out? Yeah. And I said, look, I've got family in, in Cyprus. Let's see if we can get her out of there. Yeah. Um, or I'll contact people that I know that we can get her to safety. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought about. Yeah. Um, mainly because they're a fantastic family. You know, we get along really well. Um, then I started seeing people being kidnapped and I just didn't actually believe it. I mm-hmm. thought, what the hell's going on? By the Monday, because the Monday I had the day off, I started seeing a few faces. Um, I saw the lady in the Jeep uh, and that's been dragged like like an absolute dog, to be honest. And I thought to That's myself, the one who'd been bloodied in. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. this can't be happening. Mm. The one that really got to me, and I still, um, uh, Noah, who's on the Jeep, that's carried away by these men. And I've got a 16-year-old, and it really, um, it just stuck in a cord with me. It just broke me. And I looked at it, and I thought, this can't be happening. Um, I, I understand wars occur. I understand soldiers fight. This is not a an army that's attacked soldiers. Mm. These are absolute pricks that decided to cross the border and attack civilians. Yeah. That could have been your father, your mother, your grandmother, your you name it, and the world stayed silent. Mm. I waited for a few days for the world to speak. No one did no. initially. And I remember speaking to, and I won't say the um Josh and Toby, I won't say their surname. Yep. And Jews or? Yeah, they yeah. are. And yep. they are the most fantastic customers I have. Yep. And, but we're also friends. We speak. Yeah. And I remember him, I was saying, look, people will support you on this. This is not right. And he goes, Perry, give it a few days and people will turn against us. I said, don't be a fool. No one's going to turn against you. Uh, Noah's father spoke the day after and that broke me. Uh, I didn't sleep for a few days. I found it very, very hard to concentrate. Um and I thought, what do I do? I remember seeing uh, City of Grand Naira was going to do the Town Hall Blue and White, and I thought, that's really weak, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about... Uh, it's just a, like so basic in its symbolism. Well, you've got it? people like Margaret Isakoff, who is of Jewish background, yeah. that has been a previous man. That's the best they can do? Yeah. Yeah. Truly, is that the best they can do? Yeah. And I remember contacting David Southwick. David's a good friend of mine. Mm. Um, he's helped me out during COVID. He pops in. He's a decent bloke for a politician. He's one of the best people, and I know his He's an excellent DJ in his junior career, too. He tells me that, but I've never seen him DJ I've at the restaurant. Him. I used to attend the butt mitzvahs that he DJed at, and <laughs> he's probably still got it. I hear he used to uh, planning a return gig at some point. Yeah, he, yeah. He, look, he's a decent human being, yep. above all. Yes, no, uh, for sure. Same as his family, same as his kids. I've had the pleasure of having him at the restaurant. And I said, and I said to David, I want to do something because I think the world needs it. The community needs to know what was going on. But because by this time, a lot of the Jewish customers were starting to panic. We started seeing a drop in business. But I, it was more the concern that I'll speak to some of the boys and I'll say, look, we're worried to go. And I said, hey, worried of what? No one's going to do anything here Nelson. Are you insane? Hmm. So I decided to put a post on the Mediterranean Greek Tavern. And the reason why I wanted it to be done through the Mediterranean Greek Tavern, we've got over 2,500 followers and I thought that's the way it's going to spread. So I put up a post and the post and I – Word for word, I can't remember, but it was a pretty mm. simple post where I said to the Jewish community, we are thinking of you during these hard times. Yeah. Uh, we wish your family and friends are safe back in Israel. Um, you have been fantastic. And I think there was words, the events of the last few days have been very hard to watch. Yeah. And so this is now about October the 11th. Um, that I wasn't happy with that. I wanted to make sure that I spread it. So I spread it to the different Facebook groups that I'm part of. Yeah. So the Naira Community Hub. Uh, Elsewhere Community Hub. So I think the reach was just under two million. Uh, I thought if I'm so you really t- got it out there. I made sure we did. I yep. thought um, it's important for. The- I'm a history lover of World War Two, and I was always fascinated why people stayed silent. Yeah, and in my mind, that was at the back of my mind. This is now four days after the attacks, and I haven't seen too many people speak up. And it's, that re- fasc- it's a fascinating call out by you because, I mean, even amongst our sort of Jewish and non-Jewish friends discussing this, we draw parallels between 1930s Germany That's where, right. where um, anti-Semitism, the boycott of Jewish businesses That's or supporters right. of Jewish businesses were on the rise. And, you know, th- this was just um, probably antecedent to the, the rise of Nazism and, and fascism there. You've got a famous night of Crystal Night where Jewish yes, businesses yeah. were, and no one spoke up. Yeah. Now, to me, that I, I to this day I still can't pre- comprehend it. I've read so many articles, I've seen so many documentaries, and mm-hmm. always used to say it's impossible 
for you not to speak up about it. Yeah, because we know we know what happens um, when when silence happens first, right? Silence is the biggest killer. Mm. I think um, silence is complicity because when you're silent, you're all, you're not saying no, but you're not saying yes either. So by not saying anything, you are agreeing to what the actions of the person are. Yep. Uh, whether you like to admit it or not, you may think it's a, an excuse for yourself not to say. Because I think since my post, a lot of the comments I've heard is, oh, I want to stay neutral. Neutral in what? Yeah. Um, and my post after those few days was, hey, are we a, are we going back in history? That's the first thing I thought. It's, so you were worried? I, I was worried because I really got annoyed. And I say this, and I think I've explained to a few people, We've got a Me Too movement where we talk about showing respect to women to making sure we call out behaviour against women. We've got a bunch of women that were kidnapped, kids, grandmothers. Where are these activists? Why didn't they speak out? This is before Israel's attacked Gaza. So let's forget, because I hear a lot of the excuses now, well, Israel's doing this, Israel's doing that. Well, if you poke a, if you poke a tiger, yeah. the tiger's going to fight back. Yeah. Uh, but this is in the early days. There is no excuse for any woman that was involved with the mood to me, that's got any respect for any fellow human being, let alone a woman, why didn't you speak out? Where was your voice? Yeah, the only logical uh, conclusion can be that um, Jewish women's lives matter. matter far less than Jewish uh, than women generally. I saw a meme, and I think, because um, Haley Southwick put it up, and I thought it was spot on, Me Too movement, as long as you're not Jewish. Yeah. I, I think well that, said. And I, for me, it comes down to I've got a daughter, and I thought if that was my daughter... Does it really matter whether she's Greek, Australian, you name it? Is that what we're basing our helping of other people? Let me just ask you, I mean, yeah. when you decided to make those posts yeah. and there were very few other people that I've heard of that were posting publicly no. um, who weren't Jewish yeah. at that point in time, you must have thought about the risk you were taking for, your, for yourself and your business and your family. So just like I took a risk leaving the corporate world to open a, a, a business with, you know, really uh, with no guarantee of success, I wasn't silly enough to think there wouldn't be a backlash. Um, if I left it on the Mediterranean Greek Tavern, no problem. I probably could have controlled it. Yeah. The fact that I went out of my way to make sure it spread, I expected a backlash, but I also expected a lot of people to – my whole point was trying to provoke people to start thinking, what do we do next? Yeah. I expected a flood of people to start posting. I didn't see it. Mm. The initial comments were pretty positive. A lot of people were like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But the amazing thing was only from the Jewish customers and the Jewish people. Yeah. I then started getting the hate. Uh, and I was really disappointed with the Glen Iron community, uh, but especially the moderators. Some of the things that were coming on there, especially where I hope, you know, the vomit sign is sick. What about the Palestinian problem? I hope you die. I hope your business uh, fails. I hope you burn. Well, what's a moderator? Why aren't they acting? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you, where was you their got role? To, you got to question um, the the worth of moderation. That's if they're right. Not actually getting on top of that because this is before there was any response, right. right? So, so automatically, uh, I, I understood there was going to be a risk. I'm not mm. silly. Yeah, did I think it was going to be such a uh, a reaction? No, mm. uh, I did not think. And maybe I'm a bit naive in this way, that there is that level of anti-Semitism because I can't justify it in any other way. What does anti-Semitism mean to you, sort of, that you've seen from this? I see it as if you're Jewish, they consider you to be nothing than more than scum. Yeah. And, you know, people might not like me saying that. Um, and it comes down to one thing. A lot of Jewish people are successful. They work hard. They're mm. smart. They value family life. I don't see them going on the dole and ripping off the system. I don't see them attacking anyone. All they do is concentrate on building families, uh, and I've been privy to that, having the restaurant now for so many years. Um, they're decent people. Um, you know, they like to joke like everyone else. Oh, we love a joke. You know what I mean? I think- uh, We like a joke at our own expense as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's very minority in Australia and Greek as well, you know, like self-deprecation, right? Look, there are, and, and I say this, there are bad Greeks, there are fantastic Greeks. Yeah. There are bad Australians, there are fantastic Australians. Yeah. There are bad Jewish people, there are great yeah, Jewish people. 100%. To say that we're all perfect, I think, is insane. Because as I've said to a lot of people, I'm a very, very- um, I. I do make mistakes in life. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. if anyone thinks I'm this perfect person, God, oh, you're looking at the wrong person. Oh, I'm, the, I'm cut of your cloth, my friend. Yeah. I, but on this point, 
there is no black and white for me. It is so clear where I stand. Um, I wouldn't hesitate to do what I did. Uh, and I think if I, because I've had a few people ask me, oh, you did it, the business has boomed. And I say, hey, cut the crap. My business was doing well before this post. Yeah. I've lost, and I said this to you the other day, I've had 447. Do you want me to pull up the SMS, read it out? Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, of course, if you don't. Okay. So Perry sent me this SMS um, prior to our uh, podcast today. It was actually yesterday. So I think it's definitely worth um, just recapping because you did run the numbers on. Yeah, because I I want people to understand, I did, this was not intended to build my business. This was oh come on! No, I think you'd have to be a real conspiracy oh, God, nut bag I, to think that. I heard because I saw one of the because f- you, you lost significant business massive. after you did it. The first week after the post went up, yeah, uh, we went from fifteen thousand a week to two thousand four hundred. The second week, my takings were fourteen hundred. I haven't done those takings since COVID days. Yeah, um, so it wasn't. It wasn't. You ju- went tumbleweeds basically because I I walk past your restaurant all the time with my dog. Yeah, I look in and it's normally five thirty or six. Yeah, and you guys are always packed. Yeah, every night. The two weeks, and I remember, and I there were a few customers that couldn't believe what was going on. Uh, they were walking in at seven, saying, "What what's going on?" And I didn't say anything to a lot of people. Some people yeah. didn't know about the post, and they're like, "And I, what do you want us to do?" And I said, "Look, I'll handle this. Somewhere along the line, it's got a break, and people will come back. It wasn't going to happen." Yeah. So your message was, hi, Mike, I'll see you Monday. After you post on Facebook, I spent some time yesterday going through all our bookings. Since November 1, when news articles started appearing online about my post, I've taken approximately 429 bookings. Out of these bookings, only 49 have been from regulars. The remaining have, have been new from the Jewish community who have rallied behind the tavern. In other words, nearly 60% of regulars have stopped making bookings with our tavern. Not one regular has booked a Christmas party this year as compared to 67 last year. It shows you how the impact of a post and how the silent majority um, may may not voice their views verbally, but do so um, by not coming to our tavern. That's right. Despite all this, I wouldn't hesitate to put out that post again. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and so what does that – I mean – that must be very emotionally difficult for you to process I, I, regulars behaving that way. It, you know, two weeks ago, I was on the verge of a mental breakdown, to be blunt. Uh, everything started getting to me. Uh, the communities, what has been surprising and has beyond astonished me, people dropping past, leaving me chocolates or leaving me cards, thank you. And that took me, you know, like my wife goes, you of all people, what have you done? You've done one post. And I said, look, it's taken me a while to understand it. Um it, the regulars have disappointed me, it, it, and, I, and I can't even say um, it, it's not only just disappointed me, it's almost been a slap in the face. Yeah. What have I said that has disturbed you? Is the issue with me or is the issue with them? Yeah. I think the issue is more with them. It's like, as I said to you the other day, I had a lot, and I won't mention the lady's name because it's not fair on the rest yeah. of the family. Yeah. A long-term booking for December. Um, she called up and said, look, I saw the article in the Greek paper. I was surprised. I said, what was surprising about it? She goes, oh, look, I'm just surprised about your views. I said, are you surprised that I said that it wasn't fair that women and children are taken? Or are you surprised that I decided to speak out about it? What is it? And she goes, oh, I think you shouldn't have said anything. And she goes, we're thinking about cancelling the booking. I said, that's fine. You won't get your deposit because you're not cancelling because you're sick or you're changing the date. You're, you're choosing a political view. And that to me is racist. I said, fine. I don't want to argue. Leave it. The next day she calls back. She goes, we've had a think about it and we want to go ahead. And as I said, look, I've had a think about it. I've spoken to Dad also. We don't want you to have your restaurant and I ask to have your function here and I ask the rest of your family, if they share the same views, to stay away from this restaurant. You're not welcoming anymore. And to me, it, it's not about trying to be a hero. It's trying to be, draw a line. You want to play a race card? Don't play it with me. Yeah, I love it. Because if you're bringing that filth into my restaurant, what else are you doing? So what happens if, if she's saying, She's really made that point. So if a Jewish customer walks in, what well, she's going to walk out? Because if you've got to stick with your convictions. Yeah. If you're saying, does she not do business with any Jewish customers? Does she not work for any yeah. Jewish people? So is she going to put herself a Nazi symbol, say, I hate Jews? Well, have the balls to do that if you're yeah. going to play that card. I, 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 t- I tend to agree with you. And I think one of the funniest uh, things that I've seen going around is that list of um, companies that you need to boycott if you boycott Jewish people. Yeah. Like, good luck. Um, well, you, you won't have a computer. Don't you, you won't be able to use the internet. No. You know, like, 
I, I find it sickening people hide behind these views, but they don't have the balls to come out and say it. Yeah. Um, and I think boycotting is just the the ultimate – boycotting people who had no involvement in what happened um, and are victims, really, yeah. of what October 7th is the ultimate form of racism and discrimination. Look, um, it's the the hatred of Jewish and Israeli businesses in Australia yeah. has nothing to do with what happened over there. It's pure – you're a Jew. Um, we we don't like Jews because of um, you know you being victims, yeah. um, and you'll probably respond. And we don't like that you have a country. We hate you, and we're going to punish you economically. Right. I think we had a chat before. I think the most disappointing look the last four weeks for me has been. Uh, <laughs> I did not see four and a half weeks ago when I put this post up. I did not see myself sitting here doing a podcast with you. Yeah. So it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. If I can reiterate one message to a lot of people, I would not change a thing that I did. I've got nothing to apologise. I've done nothing wrong. And the only regret, I didn't make it a bigger post. I didn't do it more often and straight away. Yeah. The other regret I had is I did take the post down a few days later. Mm. And the main reason, and I need to explain this, I've got a family uh, where my daughter got a message through school saying, hey, what's your dad? This, this. That drew the line. I've had, I sleep on the couch. I have so now the last four and a half weeks that some comments were made and there were concerns about the family environment. I'm old enough to look after myself. I'm not so confident about my kids. Um, I didn't expect to get the threats that I did. The threats were pretty, you know, everyone says, oh, it's only a threat, a verbal. Well, when you're taking a few calls a day and it's constant, 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 sooner or later they break you. People were ringing you. Yeah, they were. verbal threats. Yeah, making verbal threats. Some were anonymous. Some regular customers were telling us, telling me how, what a great effing uh, person I am, uh, that I should go and bury my head under the sand or, you know, wait until you get yours or watch your back. You know, we know where you live or we know what school your kids go to. When I called up call for police, they were like, oh, you know, nothing's been said. It's just a bit of hot air. Fair I, I, Perry, I mean, I sometimes think we live in the upside down world now. Like, yeah. like, how can it be that you experience such a level of hatred for yourself, your family and your business for expressing sympathy and regret at a tragedy like what happened on October the 7th? Like I say it like this, we had a neo-Nazi come out of the county court, did the, uh, the Hell, oh, yeah, Hitler the salute. salute. Yeah. So we're talking about in a country that thousands fought against Nazi Germany and not one newspaper said these boys should be thrown out of the country or should be locked away. Yeah. Uh, people were displaying Nazi flags. Thank God it's banned these days, yeah. but it's taken a while. Um, people seem to have forgotten their history. And you think we're you think we're living in a climate now where there um, this has shown you this incident perhaps or maybe you already felt this, but there is a revival of an undercurrent of racism in Australia. I think there is, and I, I don't think it's only just against the Jews. I think um, a lot of people are going to be awoken one day and surprised how, you know, everyone staying safe because oh, it's against the Jewish people. Let's not worry about it. What happens when it comes knocking onto their door? What are they going to do? And no one supports them. Are they going to start bitching and crying and saying, well, why aren't people supporting us? Yeah. You had a chance to speak out where, you know, I, I, I'm bewildered at people's um, – I'm more annoyed at the silent majority. Hmm. Yeah, and so – Because, Mike, I asked people that listen to this, how many of your friends, non-Jewish, forget the Jewish – because the Jewish yeah. community, what I've seen in the last four and a half, five weeks, the Jewish community have made sure my business has survived. Oh, yeah. Made sure that my business is busy. Yeah. Made sure they've made – called me up come past to make sure that both me and my father understand the love they have for us. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. No. they. No one owes me anything. Every um, Jewish WhatsApp group and uh, professional community I'm involved in has made the special effort, uh, and, and I'm not, not just Jewish, but yeah. like people, supporters of um, people's you know, dignity, human rights and well-being have all said that they've made an effort to make a group booking yeah. at your restaurant. Which um, has blown us away. Yeah. Because I'm not owed anything. No. But what I ask people is how many of your non-Jewish friends have called you to say, hey, how are you? Yeah. I don't agree with what's happening. Yeah, and, and this is a really tricky one. And I talk to this uh, with friends all the time. It's like, how should you feel about those that don't contact you in your hour of need? Um, and I guess I'm a bit different in that I don't think all Australians understand how this impacts on 
Jewish people or yeah. like maybe they do, maybe I'm two glass half full, but yeah. I choose to give the benefit of the doubt and maybe they're just uncertain what the right way to react is. But I've certainly had a handful reach out, but very few, very few. I, I know I have friends and you know, a lot of um, people in my life who aren't Jewish and probably a few percent yeah. reached out and sort of. I I see it different, Mike. Yeah. You want me to be blunt? Maybe, yeah, I do. Maybe yeah. the last four and a half weeks have sort of, re- you know, with all the hate, I've grown a thicker skin, to be blunt. I see there's no excuse not to call out bullshit behaviour. Yeah. Uh, if you're a friend, when are you supposed to be reaching out to a friend when times are good? Yeah. Or high-fiving you, you know, it's when you're down that you know where your friends are. Yes. It's as simple yeah. as that. No, that you know, look, good, sim- good simplification. Yeah. Much like the menu of Mediterranean Greek tap. That's right. I like what you did there. <laughs> Very simple. I, I think- the other thing to say is that I think Australians struggle with the idea of having to pick a side and like you pick your side and you just run with that and usually yeah. you pick the underdog because that's very Australian, right? Yeah. And the perception of the underdog here and you saw this sort of play out in the streets that there were free Palestine rallies the day after this happened. That's right. Like what – and no mention of any regret at, at what had happened on October the 7th or – Mike, it's it's – And there were thousands, yeah. like 100,000 people on the street who clearly um, – we're like, yep, you got what was coming. That's I was with the gentleman that I've known. I consider him a friend um, on Friday. Now, the gentleman is a Lebanese gentleman, Muslim, but a fantastic bloke. And he came up and he goes, we'll talk discussing you the other day at the dinner table. And I said, all right, why? And he goes, it's hit some of the Arabic newspapers, the posts that you pull. And he goes, I'm not happy with you, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I said, right, what is it about? He goes, well, do you understand what's going on? I said, I, I actually do. I didn't wake up and get a degree today. I've been following world politics for a number of years. And he goes, do you realise it was our land? I said, do you realise what your flag was 75 years ago? You stayed at the start of Dave and it was blue and white. And he goes, I didn't know that. And I said, well, I know a little bit more and you, so should you if you claim to be an expert. Second of all, said, do you agree with what? I don't hate the Palestinian people, but I don't like what Hamas is doing. He goes, Hamas are, are leaders. They're looking for our interests. I said, please tell me you're not actually believing that. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, Hamas are our leaders. I said, Michael, that's the end of conversation. Yeah. I said, I think we're on different planets. You call a terrorist organisation that took nearly $160 million from the European Union to build water fountains and they build bombs, to be courageous, you've got rockets yeah. in your head. It's, it's an inter- I think most Australians are buffoon. In, in particularly in this conversation, the PR department of the pro-Palestinian parties has been well orchestrated. It's got a, they're really good at it. Uh, there's a strong student activist group, yeah. which if you ask them to go through everything, they wouldn't probably know. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and I've discussed this with a few people, I think the Jewish community have got to got, get a bit smarter. They've been hopeless, um, um, and I'm, I, you know, I feel like I can say that because yeah. I've been around it. I'm part of that community. Yeah. It's been really disappointing. And I think when I met you, that was the first thing I said. Yeah. Um, I just think these touchy, touchy people need to know how good we are. They, they don't understand the issues. Yeah, they maybe let's give some people credit. They do understand the, the yeah. issue. They've decided not to support the Jewish people. Yeah. And I think there's, look, there's nuance in this. And I think there's people need to get their heads around being able to hold two different ideas that are opposing at the same time. That's so right. as an Australian person, as a Jewish person, I can express deep regret at what happened on October the 7th as a tragedy. But I also want Palestinians to have a state that's safe, healthy, prosperous. That's right. I wish very well for all Palestinian people. I don't support Hamas yeah. because I also don't support ISIS. No, I, th- I think that's a relatively fair position to take. Because if the people that are sitting there saying Hamas is fake, well, why don't we have a, a rally for then ISIS? Yeah. Every single yeah. Al Qaeda, every single terrorist group. Why? I don't understand why. And I, I put this down. If it was, if Hamas had attacked, say, for example, a Greek base, would have protests all over the yeah 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 it, it's it's call a spade a spade the fact that it was Israel people were celebrating yeah um, Pe- people naturally have a problem with Israel that's they right. always have and it's interesting because it's been so quiet for quite a while that yeah. this took a lot of us as a big shock that this was the the like the fuel on the fire that was required yeah. but, but but the biggest shock for me was that um, being the victims of this situation is what. Um, led to this huge uplift in protest support That's for right. Palestine. So it's it's almost like dancing on the graves of 
Look, Mike, I've, as I said, the post, I've been surprised. The um, the feelings elicited from pro-Israel and against Israel, it's amazing mm. um, that if a, a post like that can anger you so much, God, what's in your head? Yeah. The hate that must be in your head. Um, nowhere in my post have I said I hate Muslims, I hate Palestinians, I yeah. hate things. Had I said that, attack me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've shown compassion on a day that I saw women, children, you know, civilian being taken hostage, man. They weren't part of a war. No. And women and children. And but the people were applauding that. Yeah. Seriously. There will talk that babies were killed in their in their cribs. Are you for real? Yes. It's um it it was pretty Horrific. It's, it's horrific. disgusting. It's, it's not even horrific. It's re-traumatizing stuff as well. And I think I think it's worth noting that, you know, Melbourne, um, as well as being, I think, the the third um, most populous Greek city in That's the world right. uh, by people, is also the most um, – It's it has the highest percentage of Holocaust survivors in That's the world. That's right. Well, um, in and Elsewhere, for them we, to see what had happened yeah. after what had happened, you know, all these 97-year-olds having to put together a pledge of just – be yeah. careful because we saw this in the 30s and yeah. look what we went through. That for me is a terrifying state of affairs in Australia. If you, what I find terrifying and I find beyond belief, we had a family speaking here a few days ago from mm. the hostage uh, that they were here yeah. in Australia and we had a group protesting outside their yeah, hotel. Yeah, that was sickening. Now, you know, I, the media reporting was pretty basic. Someone goes to me, oh, no, it's on Apple. Apple who? I don't read Apple. Yeah. And, you know, That's like an aggregator, isn't it? I think. Well, yeah. Yeah. you know, you kick a dog, you'll be all over the news. Yeah. You know, current affair, you name it, Channel 10. Mm. And here we are. These people have been traumatised. People are missing. They haven't killed anyone. No. Their, their families are missing. Yeah. And we've got absolute buffoons, immoral buffoons, without any compassion, sitting outside their hotel attacking him, hmm. you know, I don't know. I don't know what more to say than that. Yeah, I mean, I think bringing families of victims into something like that in such yeah. a vile way, I believe there were bloodied bodies sort of outside there, lots of screaming and posters and police having to eventually move them on after too long a period. That's uh, the other how issue. How traumatising for people who are already that traumatised. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the worst kind of psychological warfare. Um so what ended up happening with the business and what led to the uptick and sort of how, so the how business, did things pan out? Oh, God. You know. Part two. Part, yeah. Uh, so after the first two weeks where no one was calling, uh, the mm. final straw was on one particular Saturday where no one turned up. Uh, I had a, I had about 80-something people booked and only 14 turned up. And when we were calling up people, you know, the phone numbers were right, but they were they definitely didn't make a booking. So someone was obviously smart enough to give fake phone numbers. Yeah. And that was the final straw. I remember going, I was with Dad on the Monday, and we looked at the diary. No one had booked. First time ever that uh, I hadn't had any bookings. And we were like, all right, we'll give this the last week and we'll close up and we'll work out what we do from here. Because I just couldn't understand. This wasn't to do with the food. Different if we gave someone salmonella poison, it was all over the years. No, no, clearly not food related. This was nothing to do with food food related. So David Southie had been at the restaurant a few days earlier and I, we were speaking, but so had a few of my cousins that I like. I remember, the, and I can say this, the Flam boys that own Flam Real Estate. Yeah. Um, they'd they come, love a shout-out. Is it Flair at the moment? They're Flair. They're, they're good the Flair boys. boys. They'd come on a Thursday after the post. They'd seen the post mm. and they were the only customers there. And they were like, you know, and they had already eaten, but they decided to come here. Just they're to, hungry lads. Just to give me a hand. <laughs> they they couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah. I remember I had um, uh, other customers that were saying, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I just don't know. And um, David Southwick, God bless him, he's on 3OW on a Tuesday. I've got the local council doing my health inspection. I was saying to the council, well, I don't know if I'm going to be open, so I don't know if there's any point doing this. He's like, why not? I'm saying this is the situation. And the phone starts going berserk. And it's a good Greek friend of mine. And he goes, mate, you're on the radio. And I'm like, no, I'm actually in a meeting. (laughs) <laughs> and he goes, no, someone's talking about you. And I thought, oh, no, is this to do with the post, yep. you know, on yep. 3RW? And it's David Southwick and the world has changed since then. Uh, the Jewish community have rallied. Yeah. I've never, ever, ever seen anything. Is that like weird, like having – what was your percentage Jewish base before? Like look, 5 I would, 10%? Maybe? I would say, look, between 10 and 30%. Yeah, and which depend- is probably reflective of the like the, yeah. the, the amount of Jews in the suburb. And he also depended on the nights. Some nights it wasn't that great. Some yeah. nights it was fantastic. Um, 
I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. You know, what like, is it now? Is it like 98, 99%? That must be weird. It, it, look, <laughs> I, I've t- my regulars just haven't booked. Yep. Um, I know some people have called and said, why have I got a candle? And I've had a candle burning, and a shout-out goes to Sandy that does these candles. We've had a candle burning virtually from the start of the hostage taken. I've given an undertaking, a candle will burn until the very last hostage is taken. If people don't like it. Released, rather. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Released. Yeah. No, we don't need more to take <laughs> If you don't like that, go elsewhere. Yeah. I'm not here to make any apologies or to justify my actions. Um, that's something personal for me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't think it's political either. I mean, I think you're just saying that families should be returned, right? That's right. I mean, and that's a choice I've made, yep. a choice that our family has made. It hasn't been asked of us to be done mm. and we haven't been put any pressure. That's a choice that we make. Yeah. Um, so that God bless the Jewish community. Without it, I'll be, I wouldn't be open at the moment. And so you're doing okay now? At the moment, we are. Um, a lot of people think we're making an absolute fortune. Look, restaurant industry is a tough industry. Yeah. It'd be full and the margins. I'm not worried about making a fortune. I'm more worried making sure we stay open. Yeah. I employ staff. And to me, to become, I want to show the haters, hey, I'm still open. Yeah. You've tried your best. You tried to knock me down. Yeah. You tried to boycott me. You tried to screw me over. Yeah. Or over for nothing. But I'm going to stay open. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because there are a number of um, Jewish businesses experiencing, I think, similar hatred to what yeah. you are, um, boycott signs being put on their windows, yeah, yeah. this kind of thing. They're all rallying through it. And I think the more that hate happens, the more they'll get supported. Yeah. It makes us stronger, not weaker, right? Well, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I know when David put up, went on radio, I did not expect the Jewish community to rally behind us. I yeah. thought, I'm a Greek restaurant the initial reaction was, God, they're going to hate me. They're going to come and start burning this restaurant down because a lot of the Jewish people saying, hey, we don't want big noise, just tone it down. We, yeah. we are people that don't get out there and say much. You know, we, we're trying to take the high road, don't say anything. Don't say, and when it came out there, I thought, they're going to think I've brought trouble to the area. They don't want that. No, I, look, I think um, the Jews and the Greeks in, a, in modern times have had great relations. That's right. Um, and I, I think I told you that my mum is often confused as a Greek person, yeah. as am I. Um, and my grandfather um, grew up um, with his brothers and sisters in Cairo. Oh, um, yeah. In a, I think, yeah, Cairo, uh, speaking Greek predominantly. Yes. Um, ended up speaking about five or six languages because the Jews there um, – who'd escaped other countries were largely an immigrant community. That's right. Um, and he was speaking um, Arabic, a um, bit of Hebrew, some Yiddish, some German. Um, oh, well done. He ended up moving to Carlton, to Faraday Street, um, and opening up a, uh, a travel agency there. That's and right. And had great, many, many – like his whole friendship group was Greek essentially. Yeah. And prior to that, he'd um, – prior to coming to Melbourne, he was in Adelaide in the Ford Motor Factory assembling cars with, with a whole bunch of Greeks as well. And um, the relationship has always been there, I think. Um, and I think as, as minority groups in Australia, you know, that, that, that kind of bringing ideas around sort of socialism, um, caring for your common man, humanism, right. you know, uh, looking after your fellow man and doing what's morally right, even when the consequences may be terrible, is sort right. of been really important. Look, I've all, and I, I see this as simple. If I was to pass away today, Probably, I don't know if I'm going to hell or heaven. I don't know what kind of. If I've done one thing right, I can. I'm not going to because, as I said, I'm always been fascinated with World War Two. I can honestly say, when it mattered, I did not stay silent. Yes, and anyone, there's been an interesting Facebook. Um, you know, people showing me JC, J United, and there's one particular person on there, and I'm not going to say his name, and he's said it a few times, and it's rubbed me up the right way. What this bloke do? He's taken down the post. And if he's listening, yeah, I did take the post down, my friend, but I had the balls to put a post knowing it was going to cost me customers. I did something when it mattered. What have you done? Yeah. Not amongst the Jewish community. Go outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, and make sure your f- other friends know about it. You got to forget about the key- keyboard warriors. Yeah, too. I, I, I mean, you've got a physical display uh, yeah. in your shop next to the cash register. That's right, and that's more important than any Facebook post. You know, to me, uh, as I said, if I could do more, I would. Um, I don't know what more to do. Yeah. Um, what, what's your lesson to the your you maybe some of your regulars and the broader Australian community about um, you know how to think about this and you know whether it's about 
taking sides in politics, whether it's about making decisions to boycott things. I think boycotting goes, if I had raped, killed someone, ban the restaurant as much as you want. Yeah. So make a post because I showed compassion. This is on Israel hasn't even attacked Gaza at this stage with the Palestinians. Yes, at that time. Um, yep. And you're attacking me because I showed a bit of compassion. I always relate it to we walk down the street and someone falls over. Yeah. We've got two choices. We're so busy in our lives, we say stuff that old guy, someone will look after him. Or do we stop and say, well, forget my own personal life. I'm going to look after him until something, someone can help him, mm. and then I'll continue with my life. And I think that's the crossroads we're at. For too many Australians, they seem to know too much, but not enough about themselves. Or maybe they think they know too much. We had a referendum to give Indigenous Australians back their country. Yeah. And we voted against it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But how to look about your own house before you look at others. Um, if we're going to talk about giving Palestine back their country, I do believe in a two-state solution. Yeah. I do believe that the countries need to work out a way that they can live together, otherwise it's going to continue. Yeah. Greece owned half the world. We don't go around saying, give us back. Times have changed. The yeah. world has changed. The yeah. United Nations set up a country for Israel and the Jewish people. It's been so many years. Get on with it. Yeah. You know, we thought- It's not going away. It, it, the, the killer for me is the same people that are complaining. Well, why don't you come and complain about Cyprus? But but my, my question is more like, um, it's all good and well to complain about social injustice. What are you doing to make things better? That's right. Like if you actually cared, uh, instead of hating one group that is next to that country, why don't you go over there and try and make a difference yourself? They wouldn't dare. Because you know why? A Christian woman would be treated like a dog. Hmm. Let's be blunt and let's mm. call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, I see this even with the pro-Palestinian rallies. Why are they covering their face if they've got nothing to hide? Good point. Why do you have to cover your face? Probably all the chance about gassing the Jews and um, eradicating people from the river to the sea would be good reason. But no, they're justified for doing that, according to the Australians. <laughs> I, I just find that, look, if you're going to be um, a social warrior, make sure you're across the board every single aspect. Don't just pick and choose your – I related when I said to before the Me Too movement. Mm. Where the hell are they? Yeah. There are women and children that have been kidnapped, grandmothers. Don't want to talk about the men? Fine. But what about your solidarity with your fellow women? And then you're rallying outside the pro-Palestinian – come on, guys. It, it, it's hypocrisy. And why it reminds me of – I grew up in a society when I came, well, we heard about the Wogs, go back to your own country. Yeah. Go back. And I thought, all right, they didn't understand back then. They need to be educated. Here we are 50 years later and we're seeing the same chance but in a different way. Yeah, and, and I think when you see that happen to other groups, the way it used to yeah. happen to you, it's very troubling, isn't it? So when do we learn? Yeah. How do we educate them? Yeah. You know, I put up a post and they're hating me for the post, not booking the restaurant – or, you know, and well, I actually think that um, the way things change is more acts of brave compassion like you've done. I don't know, Michael. I, I more people need to, like yeah. a lot more people. Oh, that's right. And we've actually seen this as a campaign that's been run recently around ending hate. Yes. You might have seen the, yes. um, that's a very organic campaign led by pretty much half non-Jewish people, half Jewish Good. people around corporate Australia. It's got 15,000 signatories um, to date on that end hate, and it's a strong statement against anti-Semitism, um, Islamophobia, and general racism in Australia. Yeah. I think it's say no to antisemitism.org. Um, phenomenal grassroots campaign. Yeah. And that's really been very positive to see that people are starting to get it. What, what still will always bother me is that um, it's taken this long to, you know, it's now 55, 60 days since all of this happened. Um, and I think my message would also be just be careful about encouraging people or attending protests where such hateful, vitriolic things are said about other people. I um, I see it even quicker. Where's the Prime Minister? Yeah. Where has the Premier been? Anytime a statement's made, it's always make it in, you know, be specific about the anti Semitism, but they want. Every they time they make a it. statement, anti-Semitism and anti- Xenophobia. Uh, where's yeah. that? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen, uh, you know, the hate, the messages. I don't see any Islamic or Arabic um, businesses being boycotted. You know, there was a post on um, Twitter the first few days. This guy's about myself in the tavern. I'm a Zionist and I'm a racist. Why? Because I put up a compassionate post. Why don't we do it against their businesses? Yeah. Because we haven't got, you know, it, it's just, it seems to be one side of hatred. The other side wants to 
be compassionate. The leaders have failed this country. Yeah. They really have. The Premier think, hasn't been strong enough. Yeah. The Prime Minister's been weak as shit. Yeah. Penny Wong has been almost like a snake in the grass mm-hmm. playing both sides of politics. And the Jewish community have been left to fight on their own. It's a battle they're not. There's no support there. Yeah, I think hopefully it grows, but all, all I can say is that we all u- uniformly support the Palestinian people. That's right. And I think that's important to say we do not support Hamas. That message is not getting across. Yep. I think that's where, um, as I said. And we support Palestinian statehood. I mean, you know, the vast majority of Jewish people want there to be a safe, right. prosperous, healthy Palestinian state, but that will never come at Israel not existing. <laughs> What they're asking for is what they're accusing Israel of doing. They yeah. want to eradicate every Jewish person to yeah. get their state. It but doesn't work but like that. Israel is the genocidal state somehow, so there yeah. you go. No, look, I think excellent. Um, call to action. What would you like people to do after listening to this? I think, um, like for me, it's obvious, is being courageous about your views, Definitely. Um, doing your research, being tolerant and kind, rather than um, just mindlessly jumping into us, picking a side or being hateful. What are you thinking? I still say... And I try to teach this to the kids. We're all different, but we're all the same. Take people in their face value. If they treat you with respect and kindness, reciprocate. If there's a if there is a racist tone, any racist tone, call them out. Sometimes they just don't know, or they might find they you know the famous. It's only a joke. It's a joke once. It's not a continuous joke. Is not a joke anymore. Yeah. I do believe when someone says something, they mean it. Uh, they can cover it with ice cream or honey, but when they make a comment. Or, you know, they need to be pulled up. Show compassion to fellow human beings. I st- I believe that whether you're Greek, Muslim, Jewish, Turkish, Australian, French, we got to show, we've got to come back to the basics because yeah. I think we've forgotten we're all human beings. We're in a country that we're migrants. All of us are migrants. None of us are indigenous to this country. Yeah. Show compassion. But above all, never, ever be afraid to speak your mind. Um, I've had a lot of people say, well, you deserve business failing because you spoke your mind. Well, good for you. If, that's, that's not what our country is built on at no. all. If I haven't got that right to, to speak my mind, then I shouldn't be running a business. Hmm. I was more than prepared to lose the business. Uh, and the more this has gone on, the longer I've said, if the business is to close, I've had a fantastic run, I'll open something else, but I spoke my mind. Well, I, I hope you'll stay open. Yeah, and so do I. I also hope that all our listeners will consider making a booking at your restaurant for over Thank the you. Christmas period. But if I can get one message, Mike, to the Jewish community, and I think I've said this a few times now, I can't thank you enough. I um, Four and a half weeks ago, I thought that the business was over. I didn't know what to expect. The Jewish community owe me nothing at all. And I say this not to be facetious or try to act like I'm downplaying it. My post has surprised me with the reaction he has. But the community and the love and the support, the messages has blown me away. I think we can learn from the Jewish community that you're so united and you show a care that it's put us to shame. It really has. And I think that's what I found almost humbling. I'm a non-Jew and you're treating me like I'm family. It's unbelievable. Well, you've taken... um your courageous morality that you showed so early on, we're forever thankful. I am. Thank you. Um, I know that my friends and family and community are, and that does make you family. So whether yeah. you like it or not, you know, they say we can't choose our family, but you're in. No. <laughs> and none of that greatly appreciated and greatly taken, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, almost humbled. Uh, I can't thank people enough. How can people connect with you, learn more about your restaurant and make a booking for Christmas? Uh, phone number 95300396 or on the internet. Um, be mindful. We have got a lot of new staff. They're trying their best. But one thing I do promise you, I'm still going to stay the same. I'm still going to support the causes I believe in. I'm still going to treat my customers like they're gold and everyone I consider family. The only thing I do ask, you come with a racist tone in the restaurant, you're not welcome. Uh, and I won't change on that. I don't care who you are, how wealthy you are, what political ventures you are, or how powerful you are. They've tried to bring me down. They haven't. I'm still standing. They're not going to bring you down. No, they're not. I'm going to uh, pop a link to your restaurant in the show notes. Thank you. Otherwise, you can search for Mediterranean Greek Tavern in Elstonwick, just about everywhere. Um, you're our first restaurateur on the podcast too, which is uh, an a lot of fun. An absolute honour. Yeah. Absolute honour. We've had food makers in the kind of like new meat replacement yes. space, but, but you're like a real practitioner, so it's great to have you in.
Mike, thank you, and your friends, and everyone that has supported us. I can't thank you enough. And should we thank you, your boy, Will? Thanks very much for being here. Uh, time for school? <laughs> okay, mate. Just in case his mum's listening here, we're going to school straight away. <laughs> and this was done in record time. <laughs> Thanks thank very you. much for being here, Perry. Thanks, You're Will. welcome. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player, and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.